hello to everybody who loves a nice, calm bag of Cheez-Its. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one, I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hi everybody, it's Chris Gethard here. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where people are actually allowed to tell their stories with no editing. We don't overproduce it. We don't try to guide them. We just say, hey, what's your deal in 2020? And then people say it, and then we have it on record, and it's just humanity and empathy. Simple as that. Lucky to be here as your host, Wanted to let you know, Pennsylvania. For some reason, I have all shows in Pennsylvania coming up. All my, because it's all driving distance, right? From Jersey. So I got a 925 in Bethlehem, 927 in Royersford, 104 in Millersville. Two shows. All the infos at chrisgeth.com. Would love to see you for some safe, socially distanced, fun time comedy uh what else beautiful follow-ups is back stitcherpremium.com slash stories if you want the info we've already got an episode with the uh, infamous 39 year old grandma up and this week we've just posted the uh, follow-up to kind of famous secret half brother a lot of people were very interested in that episode you may remember she had a secret family that she knew about it turned out i knew one of the people it was very layered very strange and uh, we're gonna get the follow-up on how things have been going now today's episode i'll tell you what I'm the first to admit I've made a couple jokes about Burning Man throughout the history of Beautiful Anonymous, and they've become consistent enough that some Burning Man enthusiasts have called me out online, and uh, it's all said with love. I understand that Burning Man has a lot of value, and it brings a lot of art to the world. It's just some easy jokes. I talk about it in the in the course of the episode. There's some easy jokes in there. So um, this caller called up and gave me the business, said, hey, I'm going to tell you what Burning Man's really about and tell you what this thing is about. And you'll be happy to hear that we spend a large portion of the show talking about an orgy dome. There's an orgy dome. We talk about it. But yeah, my wife has a lot of friends who go to Burning Man. She has friends who've gotten married there. I know that it's a place where artists go and unleash their art. And I do have a lot of respect for that. Okay, you'll hear it more throughout the call. It's a very fun one. Let's you know about a subculture that we don't always get a peek behind the curtain of, the ridiculous sides of it, the less ridiculous sides of it. I feel so lucky that I got to have this conversation and I hope you enjoy it as well. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hi. Hey. I really did not think Anita liked me much, so I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm surprised to hear another beep. Uh, yes, Anita gives off uh, an ice-cold judgmental energy, um, and so people never... Th- no, she's very sweet and very kind. Well, that's a, that's a nice uh, yin and yang to your personality, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the, uh, the tough one. She's very kind. <laughs> how's uh, how's things in Jersey? Jersey's the best. I I'm, I feels good to be home. Um, you know, I felt like Aragorn wandering through the wilds away from my kingdom, and now I've returned, and I can wear wear my crown as one of the, one of the <laughs> kings of New Jersey. No, it's great. I love it. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm hanging in. 
pretty, pretty rough times these days. Uh, but you know, I'm doing, I'm doing better than tons of people. So I try not to complain and focus on that. Um, but especially like this time of year, I would normally be heading out to Burning Man, Mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. that's not happening. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, that's a big, uh, you know, thing that feels like it's missing right now. You know, there's people that I only see once a year and all that stuff. And, you know, just knowing that's not happening and maybe it's never going to come back. Um, and really like the whole, like, uh, you know, music and art and like things where you need to congregate and like all of the like major societal shifts that, you know, kind of like what is the world going to look like on the other side of this? It's very true. It's very true. And I just want to say, I don't know if this is why you'd be calling, but Recently on Beautiful Anonymous, within recent memory, I've made at least two jokes about Burning Man on two different episodes, and uh, some Burning Man devotees have have yelled at me in the comments playfully. Yeah, they have said, "Hey, why do you keep <laughs> making fun of Burning Man?" And I just want to say, "Yeah, I, well, it, I'm I just, here to set you straight." Oh, is is that why you called? Uh, you know, it's not why I called, but. Uh, <laughs> The fact that you that you had made you know those two jokes very yeah, recently, yeah. I had I had jokingly commented on one of the uh, episodes uh-huh. in the Facebook group that if I ever got through, I'd make you talk about it for a whole hour so I could set you straight. Well, as I said in that thread, and I don't know if I was replying to you or someone else, so this remains anonymous on some level. I am. A, it's an easy joke to make fun of Burning Man. <laughs> I also understand as a comedian, it is hacky because it's so easy, but it, uh, it does give me joy. And I'll actually tell you my, my, my wife, who's an artist, she has a, you know, I come from the punk world where everybody's like, Oh, hippies. And that's how you grow up. But, uh, which I think Burning Man has a reputation, maybe being the modern bastion of that spirit. And, but my wife comes from, uh, culture she's a punk rocker too but also has a lot of friends in art who are more open-minded than that they attend burning man they love burning man some of them have been married at burning man my understanding is that it's a real bastion of art and positivity and uh, that being said it's so easy to make fun of yeah no i mean it's funny because like even like so now that it's like a little bit you know it's not like a secret like it, you know, it maybe was when it first started, like there's articles about it in the New York times and stuff. And, you know, even when they're talking about like something serious that has to do with it, like, you know, an economist is writing about, you know, uh, like the lessons that we can learn for the greater economy, you know, that, uh, he got from being out there. They'll always start with something like salacious, like, you know, something about like the orgy dome or, you know, Excuse something me? that, uh, <laughs> did you say orgy dome? I did. I said orgy dome. Is there an orgy dome? Well, it's not really a dome. Well, that's not the word anyone's carport. What? 
<laughs> There's orgies in garages? <laughs> There's a series of connected um, garages where they hold orgies and you expect me to not make fun of Burning Man? <laughs> I mean, it sounds well, kind of awesome like if that's the, what you're into. That's like the... <laughs> That's like the salacious like way to frame it. It's actually uh, a experimentation or like a teaching tool, you can kind of say, or a um, a group expression of consent. So the orgy dome specifically, <clears throat> or the the festival in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before you're before you're allowed to go into it, you have to do like a whole like workshop on consent and there's like different there's like different areas of the orange dome is not its official name but that's what it's known you know as even by people who have never been so we can just keep calling it that um uh you know there's different areas for like different ways that you're okay like being touched or if you don't want to be touched at all um so you know the the real like idea behind it and the real like value that it uh you know puts out there is not what you know the salacious like top line like jokey thing about it actually is you know obviously there's you know there's a funny aspect to it but you know there's also some really like meaningful like attention paid to um you know, some things that uh, I think that like we all need to get better about, uh, you know, communicating and, you know, thinking about like how we approach that sexual situation. Um, and, you know, this is just like a, an interesting format that allows people to, you know, learn and practice that. Sure. Well, I'm all for sex positivity. <laughs> no, it's true. I'm all for sex positivity. I think consent is is uh, wildly important. I think we're also, you know, in in recent times, I think it's become something that we're all talking about in a way that's way more open and above board than we ever have. I think anyone with a head on their shoulders agrees that that's a really great thing. Um, I would imagine that you go through this workshop and there's people who enter the orgy dome specifically to um, show their limits of consent and to shut down things um, to say, I am feeling empowered by that workshop. So I'll enter the orgy dome so I can say no to people and practice that in a way that's comfortable and where I've told that, that should be safe. I'm sure. There's also people who go in there to get their rocks off and they find what they're looking for too. It's an orgy dome. You can have it. You can have anything yeah. in an orgy dome. <laughs> Now I don't want to put you on the spot. You yeah. can you can take the fifth. It sounds like you've entered the orgy dome. No, I haven't. There's tons ah. of other stuff to do there. Got it. That that's you, not. That's you just not, knew a lot about uh, the orgy dome. That's not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think it's a, I think it's a, um, you know, a cool thing that really thoughtful people are doing. Um, and even though it's you know, not something that I, that I've ever done. It is like that. If you know two things about Burning Man, chances are the orgy dome is one of them. Uh, and the actuality of like the people who run it and like the way, you know, you actually experience it. Um, 
is like there's like it's you know it's sort of a metaphor for like the whole community because like it's so much deeper than like the the basic understanding that you know people have just by those two words or you know yes uh yes. so I, also, I always think that's like a, a really interesting jumping off point well i also want to apologize because i believe the way we got into this was you started off by saying you know, journalists, they just want to focus on salacious stuff like the Orgy Dome. And you were you were going to say, <laughs> but there's so many more interesting things to talk about. And instead, I jumped in and made you spend five full minutes. Do I mean, I did exactly what those you just criticized all the journalists for. I said, Orgy Dome, let's talk about the Orgy Dome. But then as you explain it. I mean, it's I difficult it. not to. Yeah, I mean, if somebody yeah. shows up with a bunch of carports, drops them in the desert and says, hey, we're going to have a workshop and we're going to follow up the workshop with an orgy. You talk about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's cool, but it's not the coolest thing. So I've yet to I've yet to actually show up there. Um I do know that But yeah, I'll, I mean I'll, the whole I'll yeah. say all jokes aside though, I do want to say I understand there's people who do very interesting things on the cutting edge of, of visual art, performance art. I know that there's a lot of people in the world of physical theater and interactive theater who get a lot out of Burning Man and who really go big with exhibits. So I, I, I will say I do understand that. I do understand that. And I know my jokes are cheap, but there's, it's, it's like junk food to a comedian. It's like putting a bag of Cheetos in front no, of me. No, of course. All right. I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, no, the, the, the actual physical art that's out there is, uh, it's like, I can't, I can't even describe it. Like if, if I were to just be like, yeah, there's these like gigantic circles and they just roll around and if, and you know, whatever, like music is playing nearby, like the pattern of the light change to fit the music. I mean, you can't, like, you can't even picture it. You don't even, like, you don't even know. There's no frame of reference. You just, like, I once heard somebody describe it as, like, it's the art that artists, like, would make for themselves. Yeah, Like, that's you know, cool. so not to, like, yeah. So, that's very cool. um, And, the, you know, and the other thing is, like, there's a whole, there's, you know, and then the other part of it is, like, there's a whole community. Like there's friends that you only see, you know, maybe they live in another country, maybe, you know, they live across the state. Um, you know, so they're not part of like your, your day-to-day social life, but you sort of have like this, you know, really intense experience with them, you know, one week or, you know, if you're, if you're out there longer, you know, either doing builds on the, you know, before it starts or, you know, helping take it down at the end, maybe a little bit longer than a week. Um, and so, you know, realizing that, you know, that bit of connection to your community is, uh, you know, is not going to happen and sort of wondering, are we ever going to live in a world again where you could, you know, take, 80,000 people into the desert where there's, you know, you have to bring in all your own water 
So if you want to shower, you got to bring that water in. Um, you know, you're basically using like porta potties and hand sanitizer for a week. Uh, you know, sleeping in tents or maybe RVs or something. Um, and it's kind of like, is that ever going to happen again? Because it seems like maybe that's the kind of thing that's just never going to come back. Well, I mean, it does sound beautiful to see circles that convert sound into light, but what you just described <laughs> doesn't sound like the most sanitary situation even pre-COVID, let alone now. <laughs> 80,000 people not showering. <laughs> not ideal. Yeah. Not I ideal. mean, you know, you don't, you don't, we're all in it together. So, you know, it doesn't matter. Um. It's not like you're the one weirdo that doesn't shower. Of course. Uh, Again, but, easy joke. The jokes. It's yeah. like a buffet. It's like going to like lots of, a $10 buffet. Burning Man jokes. Yeah. Lots of, uh, lots of groups um, of friends or um, camps uh, will actually, you know, pull their resources together and sort of like build, you know, uh, a desert appropriate shower um, so you do get some sort of like rinsing off, but it's not going to be like, sure. you know, your, your lovely suburban slash rural bathroom, right. uh, you're not taking you know, 20 minutes taking a there. luxurious. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll tell you the first people I knew who were like Burning Man devotees, there was a crew of break dancers who I knew who were very, um, they were always dedicated to finding like more modern takes on moves and things people hadn't done before. And if I remember right, they would go to Burning Man every year. They would take psychedelics and paint their bodies in uh, glow paint and uh, do their breakdancing in the desert. And they were largely nude for it. Yeah. So, the, so, so outside of the orgy dome, I would say like the other, the other thing that people like focus on is, you know, experimentation with, you know, psychedelics and, and that kind of thing. Um, I mean, of course that, that's, you know, I'm not going to try to say that that doesn't happen. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> there's definitely people that go out there to, <laughs> that throat there's clearing that throat clearing was actually, very revealing that throat clear was very revealing yeah uh, <laughs> you know um so one of like one of the cool things uh that i also think is you know potentially a lesson for how uh aspects of our society could you know rethink some of our like big institutions like police force so uh the event takes place actually on federal land so oh. it's not like this is like you know private land where you can kind of like do whatever you want you know without the <clears throat> without the you know law enforcement being able to you know have much say there's so there's like people from federal agencies and there's like a couple of different counties that uh, their lines, you know, go like through the space where the event is. So there's, you know, law enforcement from those agencies. 
but uh, there's actually a group of people that are uh, participants at Burning Man that are known as Rangers, and they sort of like uh, present like a first line of like, you know, if there's something going on in the community, whether it's, you know, a disagreement with people or whether, you know, maybe somebody's having a difficult experience, whether it's just like, you know, being out in the desert and, you know, being away from all of their comforts, you know, that usually ground them is like bringing up some emotional stuff for them or whether it is, you know, somebody who maybe, you know, took some substances and they're having a difficult time with that. Um, you know, there's volunteers from the community that sort of provide, you know, a first line of uh, interaction where, you know, to try to handle that stuff before it escalates to where law enforcement would be involved. Um, and it's kind of like a really, a really nice way to uh, say, you know, show that like, hey, like not, not every difficulty or problem or this or that, uh, even though it could be handled by, uh, you know, a cop or a law enforcement person, you know, there are ways to like, their big focus is on de-escalation. So... Is there a way that this situation could be de-escalated so that, you know, uh, law enforcement doesn't have to get involved? And I think that there's a lot of like, you know, applications to like, you know, in as a as a per- person who goes to Burning Man would say in the default world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the default non-Burning Man world, like I think that there's you know, there's like lessons that we could learn about like how we deal with people who have mental health problems or how we deal with people who are, you know, maybe just um, financially, you know, housing insecure or, you know, they're on the poorer end of the spectrum. Like, you know, their problems are maybe not, you know, is there a way that we can de-escalate that every problem doesn't have to be a law enforcement problem? Because, you know, so I think that that's, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, I've seen out there and I kind of wish that like, you know, the larger world had something that was like more similar to, uh, you know, to these rangers that we have at Burning Man that can sort of de-escalate things, you know, they're, uh, you know, people from your own community that sort of help you know, situations not, not rise to an occasion, uh, you know, where people who aren't really, uh, trained or have the same, you know, goals for resolution as you might, uh, you know, not all problems are law enforcement problems. Let's pause right there. That's something I agree with, man, is, is I think law enforcement should mean more things than it does right now. Be more multifaceted. I'll try to explain my, my thoughts when we get back, and the caller will expound. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, break's over. Let's get back to these phone calls. You know, not all problems are law enforcement problems. Well, I, uh, 
you'll be interested to hear I have a friend, a very dear friend of mine, because here I am, I'm making these jokes. I'm taking these pot shots. I have a lot of people in my life who really love Burning Man. And I have a friend who in his default life, he's a psychologist. And when he goes to Burning Man, he works, he works a bunch of shifts um, throughout to provide psychological care to anyone who might need it at the festival. So I hear what you're saying. And I think the idea of um, looking at the system in place and then thinking about, oh, maybe maybe this is an example for the so-called defund the police movement. It's a really fascinating one. And by the way, you ever sometimes think that um, that that's like, if they just picked a different name, if defund the police didn't become the, the, the default title for that, if it was like redif- redirect police funding, people would be like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, let's have a unit of the police that are all trained as mental health counselors. Let's have a unit of the police that are all trained as drug counselors. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I feel like it wouldn't even be a thing people were fighting about. We'd all just be like, look, Burning Man does it. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. But I'm also kind of at the point where like, I, I'm done with being polite. Like, I, I don't need to, I don't like, I don't need to appease you. I don't need, you know, AOC to turn herself into like a more palatable figure. Um, I, you know, I think I, I'm, I'm looking for something extremely radical. Like I think it was given a radical name uh, and I support that because I, you know, I, I am increasingly just, just fed up with a lot of, you know, aspects of our society. And yeah, like, I kind of think that, you know, in some respects, there's a lot of like longstanding institutions that we really just need to tear down, you know? Um, so that's where I'm at. I'm high frustration with many things right now. Uh, I'm with you on you know, that. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't always like this. Like, you know, I used to be a very like free market, like, you know, Milton Friedman, free to choose, you know, I, I read it and I was like, oh my God, this guy is like, of course, that's how, like, you know, of course that's, that's the, that should be like the basis for all our policy and economics decisions. And like this whole thing where they say like, oh, like as you get older, like you become, you know, more conservative and uh that has been completely the opposite for me uh i'm 38 and uh every year i get uh less and less and less in love with capitalism and i'm just like feeling like we just need to uh tear everything down and start over because you know this is not working for people uh, there's no reason that I should have lived through two major recessions. Uh, there's no reason that, you know, uh, all this violence and racism, uh, should be so rampant. And, you know, we really need to, we really need to fix all that stuff. And would you say Burning Man has helped lead you away from being what sounds like a sort of uh, Reaganite economic supporter to what sounds like you're heading more towards unapologetic uh, 
anarchy as 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 the right likes to point fingers and claim? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, honestly, I think I think it's really. I think I probably uh, in my former ideologies would um, not have considered attending Burning Man because I think I probably you know, did think or would have thought like, you know, the, you know, those, those are not my people. Um, but I think, so I think like the two things sort of like happened simultaneously. Like I really rethought all the things that I was taught and all the things that I believed, you know, based on just seeing how shitty the world is. Um, and then that sort of, uh, you know, made me open to, uh, you know, experiences that I probably would have been closed off from. I think, I mean, I honestly don't think that I, uh, that I knew about Burning Man in those days. Uh, by the time it came into my uh, awareness, it was already like later on and fairly um, like a big, you know, it wasn't like a secret anymore you know most people knew about it and i remember just reading about it and thinking oh like that sounds really cool but like i have no idea how you like uh you know get all your like food and water and gear and camp in the desert for a week like that that sounds like you really like need to like know people on the inside who have like done it and can like show you the rope and I don't have anybody that cool in my life. So I'm just going to put the idea of ever going out of my head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But eventually at a certain point that changed. Transformation. Transformation over time as a human being. Yeah. I, love, <laughs> I love that. Well, I also just want to say that even, even though I'm sitting here going, don't you think if defund the police had a different name? would go smoother. I think there's truth to what I'm saying, but I'm also with you of like, at a certain point, you have to be provocative. You have to kind of shout to the hilltops what you really want so that people, you know, even even if they react from the gut with like, whoa, wait, what? You're getting that reaction that people have been dodging, giving you that for years. So I get it. I do get it. Now, let's go ahead and play a game where I want to, I would love to hear Two things. One, give me your story about Burning Man, the thing you've experienced that was the most transcendent, the thing that makes you go back, the thing that makes you a devotee, whether that's a piece of art, whether that's a human connection, but something specific where you go, this is the essence of the festival I love. So give give yourself that. And then now that I have apologized for slamming Burning Man, maybe follow it up with, and now I will now I will admit that I yes, did see this thing, Chris Gethard, that does validate your perception and jokes that it's a completely batshit, insane environment as well. Is that okay with you? Yeah. All right. Um, I hope, I hope I can deliver with, with these stories. I feel like, uh, geez, I'm like, I feel like I've tried to tell stories like this before 
and they don't land. So okay, uh, so we'll just keep them tight. Hopefully, hopefully your <laughs> hopefully your skills can you know pop in there and save them if they're going off the rails. No pressure. I apologize uh, if I interrupt a bunch then, but I got <laughs> it's just me trying to get your back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're in this together. I feel it. Uh, okay. So, uh, ooh, um, all right. Let's talk about something else, and then I'll and I'll I'll think I'll think about this okay. because now I'm feeling uh, now I'm feeling kind of nervous. Yeah, no pressure. Um, what else? Because we're halfway through this, and you said you didn't want to talk about Burning Man the whole time. So, if you want to bring some other stuff up, now's the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I guess like, you know, I'm thinking probably like a lot of people are like, I know you just had, you know, your, your move. And I think that like a lot of people's lives are sort of, you know, accelerating by the like tumultuous times that we're living in, uh, you know, people getting married faster than they ordinarily would have, or breaking up faster than they ordinarily would have you know, rethinking their living situations, lived in the city for, you know, tons of years and, uh, you know, and now they're like, nope, can't do that anymore. Uh, so I'm sort of like feeling in the same boat. Uh, you know, um, as I said, I'm 38. I've never really wanted kids. Uh, I, do not know why, but like, you know, from the time I was like definitely in high school, I just never, I just never felt like that experience was like calling out to me. Obviously good thing when you're in high school. Um, and I kind of thought that like, as I got older, like some like maternal instincts would like awaken in me and, uh, you know, like that I would just like a, a normal person would like you know, feel like I wanted that experience to be a part of my life. But honestly, as I've gotten older, it's only become clearer to me uh, that I, I really, I really don't see that as being the path that I'm on. And so it is, I don't have any examples really of like what it's like to be a, uh, uh, child free, you know, maybe single forever, um, you know, unpartnered, uh, adult. And I kind of feel like I have a lot of like confusions and like big questions about like what, what my life should look like. Um, since I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure that like this big, uh, you know, thing that, that most people, you know, want and are, are driving them in terms of like dating and, you know, are driving them in terms of like life decisions. And so I, I, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of things that, you know, I thought were doors that like were more open to me, um, because of this, like, oh, like I could do more traveling. I could do, you know, have more of these kinds of experiences, you know, and now we're living through obviously a period where, um, you know, uh, you really can't travel anywhere. 
I'm kind of, I just feel like my life is feeling, uh, like kind of empty and I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to like create, uh, things that are going to make it feel like meaningful and full. Well, I don't know if I can solve that one in 26 minutes. I think you probably can't. Yeah. But, uh, we can talk about it though. You know, yeah. Well, it's really interesting because I'm feeling my own versions of that. And some of this is admittedly a midlife crisis. I'm aware of this. Um, but I'm feeling my own versions of that, of like, you think about, you know, I think especially now that the world has kind of come apart at the seams, hopefully momentarily, but you think about like, what's, what's the, what's the end game for participating in this? Like, what's the, is it leaving a legacy? Is it, is it connecting with other humans while you're here? Like, what is this life for? It's a very big question that we all have. And I, I'll tell you, just to start with the idea of um, having kids, I think if you don't want to have kids, I think that's fine. Um, Cause you know, one thing I've realized is like, for me, I look at my son and I go, oh man, you're a big part of the puzzle of why I was ever put on earth, dude. Like part of why I'm here, it turns out is to get you here. And for me that helped, but I don't think that's true for everybody. And I think uh, one thing that's become clear to me about having kids is that sometimes I can think of examples throughout my life where you realize parents made it about them. And uh, that's just a little, it's just a little unfair to put that on a kid that they owe you anything, you know? So if you don't have that instinct, I think that's, I think that's fine. I don't think it would serve you or a kid to force that. And you know that we all know that. I don't even know why I'm saying it. It's quite obvious. Right. Of course. Like the thing is, is like what, Okay, so then what, like, I can't even tell you how many times, you know, I'm in quarantine, you know, I'm lucky enough, I can work from home, I'm working, I'm doing all things, but, like, I'm kind of just thinking, like, why am I bothering, why am I even bothering to keep myself alive? Like, okay, I'm doing all of the things, but, like, what's the payoff? Like, what, like, what am I doing? Like, what am I, you know, doing my job and uh, paying my bills and like, you know, once all of the, like, once everything else is just stripped away and it's just that, you're just like, okay, so I'm just going to wash the same fork and, you know, (laughs) change my sheets once a week, uh, you know, until the end of time. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I've been I've been having similar thoughts. Um, and when you say, "What's the point of even being here?" I, I hope this doesn't mean you're having suicidal thoughts because I don't want to like gloss past that because you can say that in many different ways. But I'm not sure what you meant. Uh, I will say that it's just like uh, framed in the in the in the search for meaning, the more right? philosophical way. That's um, what it sounded like. I just wanted to right. check in. Well, I hear you. And I think it's funny because at the end of the day, like you mentioned capitalism before, right? And it's like, 
it's a system that I am very suspicious of. Now I've, I've managed to do all right in it. Like I've definitely seen my family progress uh, over time financially. I've seen myself, you know, bust my ass and then get lucky. And the combination of those things has allowed me over time to have a pretty stable living in that sense. But at the same time, you see that it puts us in this rat race. It puts us in a place where it can be dehumanizing to you. Like you said, you wind up on this like Groundhog Day-esque existence of the same tasks. And then it can be very dehumanizing in how you treat other people. You know, like you see people who get the shit end of the stick and and uh, become kind of trained to not care as much as you wish you did. And I have to wonder if part of what you're feeling and what I'm feeling, what a lot of us feeling is like this, this pandemic and this quarantine is kind of exposing, I think, this feeling of like, maybe I need a little less and that would allow me to live a little more, you know? Like a little bit, I guess that's a little bit of like a, monk philosophy but like i got all this stuff i don't really feel like i live much of a life just like you said i do dishes and then i do laundry and i watch netflix like and it's cool that i have netflix but what am i doing what is this maybe i need less maybe i need less things and that will allow more life that's what i've been feeling lately this whole episode we've been exploring the pitfalls of capitalism if it's a system that's out of control that being said we have ads baby we got a lot of ads to sell you goods and services because capitalism's not dead yet we'll be right back okay everybody that's it for the breaks let's buckle up and finish the phone call maybe i need less things and that will allow more life that's what I've been feeling lately. Yeah. And I like my problem with capitalism. I'm not like, I don't think people should work hard. I don't think, you know, that, 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 you know, people should be able to advance, uh, over generations. Like that's not my problem with it. My problem with it is like, why are we talking about how we're going to deal with a disease right or a virus in the same breath that we're talking about the economy like yeah we we're a country with resources like i don't want to hear about the economy until we're done with the virus like we're just gonna we're like gonna get together we're gonna you know look out for each other the you know and the we'll deal with the economy in in the next breath. Like that's not, those two things should not be as tied together as they are. Or, you know, yeah. why are large corporations like, you know, uh, getting their say about policy? You know, why are they involved in things about the environment? And, you know, like it's all of that, like money and politics, like, those are the parts of capitalism that I'm like, I don't actually think this is working for us as a group, as a society, as a country. Like, I don't actually think that these things are working for us and I'm kind of done being polite about it. Like I do think we need, you know, we've tried the moderate way before we've tried inching towards, 
you know, a goal, but I don't really think, I don't really think that we're getting there. And, uh, you know, so I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, yeah, let's defund the police, abolish ICE, all of it. Let's, Let's let's do all of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Like, uh, especially you know, I think the guy who owns Amazon is worth 260 billion dollars now. They said, I think I read that, and it's like, and they won't let their workers unionize at Amazon. And I believe they're one of those corporations that doesn't pay taxes. And it's like, well, I just don't believe in a world where if capitalism gets unchecked to the point where one guy can have 260 billion dollars. And then there's so many people in the world where if they get appendicitis, their life is ruined forever because they can't afford it. There's just something. Exactly. has got to meet in the middle at some point. Now, are you ever going to go in the orgy dome? Uh, if Burning Man comes back. I don't back, think so. Yeah, I, not your thing. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I've absorbed uh, the lessons that it has to offer in other ways. Uh, and I don't think that that's not an experience that's particularly calling out to me. Now I'll tell you when I was a younger, <laughs> Oh boy, why am I about to say this? When I was a younger man, a single man and a wilder person who would often do, uh, um, ill-advised things on purpose just to get a good story out of it. 1000% if I wound up in an environment with an orgy dome, I would have to go in the orgy dome at least to just see what was happening in there. I'd have to at least see, I'd have to have that story of like, oh, you're telling me if I go in that carport, portable garage, <laughs> there's an orgy happening and I take a, I take a workshop and then I can go in. I'd have to see the orgy dome. I'd have to go, who's in the orgy dome? How, how, how much, right. how orgy is this orgy dome? <laughs> I'd have to know. I'd have to go. Is so it? I'm going to throw, I'll, I'll tell you another little thing about it. Is, yeah. yeah. Um, so as a, as a, I think straight identifying, we'll say uh, male, you actually can't show up to the orgy dome without a partner. Oh. So you would first have to convince a girl to come with you to the orgy dome yes, or yes, they won't yes. let you in. Well, I would, I, I, who knows? Who knows if I would have found a friend? So that kind of, it kind of follows the structure of what I, you know, uh, the swingers model. I believe a lot of swingers clubs, no unattended men. What are you here for, dude? What are you going for, dude? You can't, you're showing up at the orgy, dude, a long line of single men at the orgy dome. No, thanks. Okay. No, thanks. No orgy dome for you. Um, so I get that. And who knows? Who knows where I theoretically, if I wound up in a desert in an environment with an orgy dome, who knows? I might've been there with a friend open-minded enough to enter the orgy dome with me. Who knows? I have no idea, but I would have done my damnedest to say. Yeah, I have faith in you. You do well with the ladies. You do well with the ladies. Listen, for most of my life, I was, uh, I was a profoundly lonely person. And then I hit a stretch where I said, you know what? I am who I am. I'm a funny guy. There's a lot of uh, ladies in this world who luckily aren't shallow and can look past the giant forehead and the weird bone structure and, and like me for me. And yes, I, ha I, I, I had some good, uh, some good consensual times there as a young single man in New York City. But I wound up where I'm supposed to be. 
So back then, yeah, I think I might have been able to say, hey, let's me and you check out this orgy dome if I was if I was hanging out with somebody who's cool and open-minded. I think it's a shame to not see an orgy dome. Although it's probably a little, is it a little bit tacky? Is it a little bit like, that's for first timers? That's for your first year here? There's so much better stuff. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's definitely I think Bush that's league. definitely true. Bush and league orgy dome. As I as I <laughs> as I alluded to, that was not a pun. Um, I was hold on, <laughs> hold on one second. I just want to be clear: saying bush league about an orgy dome, I was not. That was not meant to be wordplay, of any sort. After I said it, I realized <laughs> not not what I was going oh. for. Um, so and yes, and you mentioned it. it's not called an orgy dome. It's just people. That's the that's the uh, right. nickname. So people. So there's like a little. There's like a a book that people get of you know various things uh, that are happening at the event and like where they're located and stuff like that. So in the book, it's obviously listed by its proper name. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So like first timers will sometimes be like looking through the book, looking for orgy yeah. dome the or like, orgy dome? Uh, you know, right. Like walking around the event, asking people about it. And it's like kind of the thing. If like anybody ever asks you about it, like you'll definitely like fuck with them because like they clearly, you know, they're, they clearly need to be fucked with. So you just go, um, you walk six right, miles like that never, way. And you point to the desert. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You give them completely wrong directions or you tell yeah. them like a wrong thing to look for mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, there's definitely a lot of that kind of, you know, pranking that, that goes on there. Obviously like never in a dangerous way. Like you never yes. like, yeah. uh, if somebody's you know, in need of water or something, yes. <laughs> that's not the situation where you, you decide like, all right, like, let's fuck with this person. Um, so I just want to put that, you know, out there right away. But, uh, yeah, if a, if a first timer, uh, is coming up to you looking for directions to the orgy dome, yeah. that is definitely a situation where you go to fuck with them. Well, I remember in high school, there was a thing where you would tell the freshmen, you got to go check out the fifth floor pool or the fourth floor pool. And there was no fourth floor of the high school. So people, would, these kids would be trying to find the fourth floor pool. There's no fourth floor. So it's similar. With the, or, the orgy dome is kind of like your fourth floor pool. Now, can we play a game where I guess things that I bet happen at Burning Man and you can tell me if they happen or not? Yeah. I bet there are people who show up at Burning Man with no food who survive the week by foraging for food. No. And no. this is kind of funny. Uh, no, there's nothing, there, nothing grows out there. You can't forage. I'm there's talking not, about like freegans though. People eating other people's waste and discards. <laughs> freegans. Uh, all right. Maybe, maybe. Okay, maybe. okay. So we have a term. Uh, it's called sparkle pony. Um, what? Sparkle and pony? Sparkle pony is yeah. the, yeah. Sparkle pony is the term for usually females who show up to the desert with like lots of cool outfits, but not really the stuff that they need to survive. Uh, and yeah. And those are, and it's not, it's not a nice term. It's a like derogatory term. Sparkle pony. Okay. So it's kind of, it's kind of a, 
a freeloader in a way. Or someone who's in over their head yeah. and didn't prepare enough. Just like, yeah, like not prepared, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's against, it's against some of the, I mean, they're not rules. They're just like uh, principles yeah. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, people use to describe the event. So, yeah. Guess too. I'm certain there are children who have been conceived at Burning Man. I'm guessing there are also people who have intentionally uh, timed it to have given birth at Burning Man. Have babies been born at Burning Man? Probably. But, I mean, if you need any kind of, like, serious medical attention, you have to take a helicopter to Reno. So. <laughs> that ain't good. That ain't good. Yeah, it's, that's not, that's not good. Okay, yeah. Uh, so it would so be dangerous. I would, I would think, yeah. Okay, let's see. Guess number three. Um, are there people who make themselves living art projects for the entire time in a way that is half fascinating as art and half transparently the ultimate narcissism? Uh, I don't know about the narcissism part. Okay. The one, okay. the, the biggest, like the biggest, like week long, uh, human art project thing that I remember hearing about is, uh, some guy like lived in a like see-through box out in uh, like the section where they have the art, like in deep playa, um, which is the, you know, the term, the in-event term for it, as opposed to like the part of the area that's like camping. So he was just like in this, uh, in this, yeah, see-through box where, uh, the majority of the art is stationed like all the way out um, in the non-camping area. So, yeah, so like people could see what he was doing in there the whole time. And um, I think he had a team of like people that he worked with that like worked out the logistics of uh, food and yeah, that and yeah. water and that kind of stuff. That's probably the craziest thing that I that comes to mind as far mm -hmm. as that goes. Um, another guess. There are people who show up out of curiosity. They're not fully bought in. They're maybe kind of squares at the start. They get really into it. They embrace public nudity. They are not fully prepared for the desert sun. They get the worst sunburns uh, a human can endure. Oh, yes. Lots, lots of sunburns. Yes, yes. That's for sure. Yes. I... <laughs> I'm wondering if I should go, if they restart Burning Man. I wonder how I would do that. You know my personality through the show. You've heard me make my jokes. You've heard endless times about my Catholic guilt, my vast amounts of shame, my discomfort with my appearance and body. How do you think I would do at Burning Man as a 40-year-old father and married man? You can be honest. Uh, I definitely think that there's, like, that there's stuff that I think you would love it. Right. I think it would, I think it would push your boundaries in a lot of ways. Um, like, I think that like thinking about like your food and water and living in the desert for a week and like, you know, like I alluded to before, like it brings up a lot of stuff for a lot of people, just like being out in that environment, you know, um, I think that you would, I think that you would get a lot out of it. And I think that, you know, 
you would not be the only sober person there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, yeah, I think that you and like, especially uh, what, you know, the kind of stuff that I know about you and your wife, I think that that, that it would be like a, a really cool experience for you guys to have together. And I think that, you know, yeah, you would get a lot out of it. Um, and I think that, you know, 40s is a, a perfect time to go. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think you probably like in that stage of your life are going to get way more out of it than uh, somebody that's younger. Um, yeah. Uh, so if it ever comes back and you... Uh, Maybe I got to go. You know, need some, some advice on uh how to prepare for it i uh i well i will say Um, that being around art especially art that's very experimental and that's on the extremes is always eye-opening as an artist and even as a comedian i've often found that my greatest growth as an artist comes when experiencing art that is not of the medium i do now what do you think would happen if we had a uh I feel like, what if we had like a beautiful anonymous dome right next to the orgy dome, (laughs) like right next door to the RG dome. And it was a big, giant air conditioned tent where everyone is clothed and most of the week is spent running like a very calm, peaceful book club. I feel like that's what our fans, we'd all show up and it's like when you get tired of the craziness, you come in here. And we all just hang out. We talk to each other and get to know each other and read books. Do you think that would go over well? It has to be a big air-conditioned tent. I absolutely do. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'll Um, bring a generator. I'll bring a generator. People are, yeah. People are often in need of uh, spots that aren't super stimulating. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you're still. Oh, like, I could build the least stimulating. You're saying like. <laughs> I could build the least stimulating like thing at Burning Man. I could. I could. If they need stuff that's not stimulating, there's only so much you could take. Listen, if everybody's <laughs> like overstimulated need- and needs something that's completely unstimulating, I mean, I've built my entire, you know, my entire career now is based around me doing a podcast where I talk on the phone and people just tell me stuff. It's working. I mean, honestly, people will say that they're, that's like, they're like fame. Their favorite moments are like meeting a random person and having like a completely like, you know, like honest and deep conversation, like in some, you know, small, uh, you know, spot where somebody just like set up some couches or something, like maybe somebody is serving drinks, maybe not, you know, um, people always, because you meet like, just like you meet the, like such a diverse group of people. Um, you know, the person that you're talking to might be, you know, it really is like mini episodes of beautiful anonymous with not as charming of a host. It's like if both people were like the me in the conversation. Oh, I'm. I just sit and listen. Now I want to go. I I want to reserve space directly next to the orgy dome, and I'm going to set up a big tent. And uh, when you come in, it's going to be like elevator music, like pan flute covers of "Hey Jude," like my downstairs neighbor in Jackson Heights who hated me used to play. 
just the most boring, gentle music. <laughs> and then all I'm going to have in there is, um, you remember those things in college? There was, we called them, it was a crass name. We called them flipping fucks. They were like little tiny narrow fold out couch things. Do you remember these? And I have a bunch of those. Oh, yeah. A bunch of those. And then I'm just going to have a table set up with LaCroix and little snack bags of Cheez-Its. And that's it. That's my whole exhibit. That's my whole tent. It's just you come, you get some Cheez-Its, you get some seltzer. You sit on one of them little chairs. You chill out. Uh, you still have to get consent for everything, but it won't be sexual. It'll be like, it'll be like very awkward, beautiful, anonymous fan consent where you'll be like, um, can I ask you where you grew up? And how that was. And then we have like one-on-one conversations. And then um, it's really, really quiet in my tent. And that gets ruined because the sounds of the orgy dome constantly bleed into my tent. <laughs> I and mean, maybe they'll be enhanced by your neighbors. Uh, you know, you don't know. And you're only allowed to come in if you're wearing... Um, Long pants and a, a long sleeve button down shirt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's it. And that's it. All right, your generator is going to be working overtime. But yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. Maybe I'll bring two generators. Space. Yeah, I mean, I I own a generator now, so maybe I'll drive it out to the desert with my and I have I have a nice stand up air conditioner, and it'll just be yeah. You know what? We'll wave we'll wave the long shirt and long pants thing, but you have to be clothed. Lacroix, Cheez Its conversation that's what we'll call it the Lacroix cheese it's conversation dome and then when people say how do you oh and then you know what we do we have you spread here's what we do i got it i build an actual dome mine's act mine's not a bunch of carports and then when these bush league rookies ask where the orgy dome is You'd say, oh, you go here, you'll see it. It's a dome. And then these suckers got to come in and sit there and drink LaCroix and eat Cheez-Its with me. And then I just ride it out as long as I can until they realize <laughs> there ain't an orgy happening anytime soon. <laughs> you are getting into the spirit. This is exactly this is exactly how a lot of things start out there. You're this, like, all it, right. What's is there the a sense of trickster? thing I can do. <laughs> I want to do the most boring. See, I want to do the most boring thing. Also, we only have 30 seconds left. And I want to thank you for this one because it's been very fun um, and eye-opening. And I am sorry that I've made fun of Burning Man so much because I do think it's a creative bastion. And I do think that that's an extraordinarily useful thing for the world. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm sure everybody who's been is going to think I described it all wrong. Uh but they could go fuck off. Hey, did you do your best? I guess. As long as you what a shame that best. is. It was such a joy talking to you. That was really fun. Thank you. Thank you too. Bye-bye. Caller, thanks so much. It was so fun to talk to you. Every once in a while, I just need a fun one. And you letting me mess around about Burning Man and filling me in on the real beauty of it was, was so great. And I hope nobody gives you a hard time because I think you, uh, you opened my eyes. I'm sure there's other people out there going, oh, that's not what I thought it was. And the uh, existential processing of the world, I share it. I'm sure a lot of people do. And, uh, and I really appreciate hearing it. Thank you. Thank you, Jared O'Connell. Thank you, Anita Flores, who is not mean or scary at all. Thank you, Shell Shag, for the music. 
you listen on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. If you listen on Spotify, hit follow. If you listen on Stitcher, click favorite. It helps the show so much when you do. And if you want our back catalog, stitcherpremium.com slash stories for more details. See you next time.